John Muir Show. It is 10.35 a.m., and we head to the phone lines, and we're glad to be joined by a guest who I have a feeling a lot of you know and are going to be glad to hear from. He is the honorary chairman at the Institute for Reforming Government, uh, whose stated purpose is to advocate for tax reform and also oppose both government inefficiencies and burdensome regulations. You might know him better as being the former governor of the state of Wisconsin and a good friend of the John Muir Show, Scott Walker. Uh, governor Walker, thank you very much for your time today. Great to have you back. It's been far too long. So before we get into everything, uh, I'm sure a lot of the folks are wondering, and I'm wondering, uh, how you been? Oh, we're doing extremely well. Uh, obviously, crazy times, and that's why it's fun to get back to work with uh, IRG. The next folks want to learn about it, reforminggovernment.org, but uh Working there, getting ready to take on the role as the president of uh, YAF, Young America's Foundation, which was a group started by William F. Buckley and uh, one of the early leaders with Reagan. And, and just more than anything, making sure our, our reforms, the things we we collectively work so hard on, those of us who, who believe in free enterprise and individual liberties, uh, we worked so hard on over the last decade uh, that they continue to stay true here in Wisconsin and around the country. So we're doing well. Uh, the kids are doing well. They're both grown up, and uh, Tonette and I are doing well here in Wisconsin. Well, very glad to hear it. And, and what you just touched on about everything that you know, you'd know you accomplished during your time as governor, I, I want to get to that in depth in just a minute. But before we do, uh, because I, I told folks you're now you know the honorary chairman at the Institute for Reforming Government, uh, talk just briefly there in that open about what it is that the organization is advocating for. But if you, if you could tell us a little bit more about the work uh, that the group has going on, is planning to do going forward. Uh, fill us in, please. Yeah, yeah, that's why I encourage folks to go to reforminggovernment.org because the Institute itself was started a couple years ago. We were looking ahead in 2018 to pushing massive tax reform, things like my friend John Mako from the Green Bay area has been working on massive tax reform. And of course, we didn't get that chance after the 2018 election, but we last year really looked at this and said, well, we've done so much in a uh, arguably a blue state. We temporarily turned purple. Um, we we did probably as much or more reform on the conservative side of things than even some of the reddest states in America. And so mm-hmm. we didn't want to see that slip away. Uh, thankfully, through that, uh, the work of IRG, working with the great Republican leadership in the Assembly and the Senate, Act 10 and all the positive reforms, the more than $12 billion of savings since 2011 is still intact. We had a rainy day fund we left that was 190 times bigger than, than when we got there. We, we provided tax relief, all the things that we're going to need now more than ever. But that's precisely why we've taken the next step up. We, we knew over the last few months uh, with the shutdown and everything involved there that we needed to step it up. Going into this next budget, there's going to be huge holes in terms of revenue, and we want to make sure that the current governor and the left, left wing folks in, in Madison don't have their way. And instead, we push real, true, common sense, innovative reforms. And so we were pleased to bring C.J. Safer, who's been up until recently the executive vice president at Will, the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, Good friend of the uh, program. to become the new president of, of uh, IRG, and we're excited about it. Mm-hmm. As we're being joined here on the John Muir Show by the former governor of the state of Wisconsin, Scott Walker, 
And like I said, I want to talk more about, you know, your legacy. And of course, uh, the first thing that comes up for a lot of folks, and you just brought it up at least, I, I think, twice so far in this interview, is Act 10. And obviously, it was incredibly controversial roughly a decade ago uh, when Act 10 was put into place by yourself and by the Republican legislature of the time. And to this day, it remains controversial, as so much of what you did during your time as governor remains controversial here in the state of Wisconsin. But we are, as I noted, almost a decade removed from Act 10. We don't have to speculate, okay, is Act 10 going to work? Is it not? We can look at the results and see what has happened. And regardless how you felt about Act 10 at the time, if you objectively looked at what's happened in the years since Act 10, you'll realize, hey, Act 10 it ended up being great for the state of Wisconsin in an economic sense, uh, turning the state from one that was in economic ruin under Democrat leadership to one that was seeing a historic economic prosperity under Republican leadership, uh, not to mention the benefits that it's had in the classroom as well. But yet, in spite of all of the positive results we've seen from Act 10 and we've seen from various other actions that you had taken during your time as governor, there's still this staunch opposition to it from the political left. There's still this this desire to undo Act 10 and undo a lot of the other stuff that you did that proved to be successful. Clearly, these people aren't basing it off of what ended up materializing from these actions because, again, it's worked for our shared state of Wisconsin. Clearly, this is based off well, this was done by Scott Walker, and he was a Republican, and we always said he was evil, and we hate him. I, I mean, what's it like for you sitting back? You know, it's been you know about a year and a half since you you left the governor's mansion. What it, what is it like for you hearing all of this and saying, well, there are people who are trying to greatly harm our shared state of Wisconsin strictly because they want to stick it to me or because they can't stand me and they can't stand the fact that I was the one that did this great thing for Wisconsin. What, what's that like for you watching that? Well, my, my, my friend and a frequent speaker for YAF, Ben Shapiro, uh, many of your listeners have probably heard and listened to and, and uh, heard speak or heard on YouTube before. He's got a great saying that fits at this. He says, uh, facts don't care about feelings. And in this case, a lot of folks on the left love to do things based on feelings, but they ignore the facts. And the facts are overwhelming. Uh, our common sense conservative reforms works. Act 10 and many others along the way as well. It's precisely why, even though the current governor uh, put in his first budget what, what many would call a liberal manifesto, every left-wing wild-eyed idea out there that thankfully Robin Voss and Scott Fitzgerald and their colleagues uh, kept from happening. But but even amongst that, that document, that as far left as it was, it did not include the outright repeal of Act 10. Why? Because in the end, no matter what they say, remember, watch what they do, not what they say. Mm -hmm. In the end, they, even they, even the current administration knows that if you're going to undo Act 10 and the reforms associated with it, it would create massive, massive problems, not only in state, but, but for local governments, for school districts and others. Um, certainly it helped us balance the budget, and it saved literally billions of dollars for taxpayers, but more importantly, you alluded to it, it, it now allows schools and other governments uh, to staff based on merit, to pay based on performance. That means they can put the best and the brightest in the classroom and elsewhere and keep them there. And, and in light of all these massive protests where there is legitimate need for reform, not defunding, but reform in our police department, one of the things nationally they're looking at is our collective bargain reforms, because that could help in, in many of these police departments make sure that 
the, the re- we reward the excellent men and women in law enforcement, but the, the one or two that, that don't live up to those measures can, can be removed from those departments, uh, just like we've been able to do that in other areas of government here in Wisconsin. As we're being joined on the John Muir Show by the former governor of Wisconsin, Scott Walker, and you led right into what I wanted to ask you about next, and that is, uh, you know, obviously you were seen as a very polarizing figure in the state of Wisconsin. Probably shouldn't be because you were very successful, objectively speaking, for the state of Wisconsin as governor, but still seen as a very polarizing figure in the state of Wisconsin. But but I think anyone who's willing to be fair and objective, regardless how they feel about your politics, would recognize that you're someone who deeply cares about the well-being of the state of Wisconsin. What are your thoughts on what you've seen taking place in various cities in the state of Wisconsin in recent weeks? Some some of these largest Democrat-run cities in Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee, Green Bay, most notably in Madison once again this week, where these criminalistic riots are taking place, where you where you have these buildings, these businesses being destroyed and looted, where you have statues, uh, including statues of people who fought to abolish slavery in this country, being destroyed and thrown into a body of water. I mean, what's it like for you to see this happening in your state? Well, ignorance is dangerous. I write a column every week in the Washington Times. I wrote about it last week. I'm running an updated version about it this week, tomorrow, so it'll be out later today online. Uh, folks can go to scottwalker.com and, and get any of our social media. But but uh, it, part of what I wrote about was a week ago I wrote about a statue outside of City Hall in Philadelphia that was a Matthias Baldwin who was 30 years before slavery was abolished. Uh, he was outspoken against it and even used a, a sizable portion of his wealth uh, at the time, in the 1800s, to pay for a school uh, exclusively for black children who didn't have access to education. Uh, and they were trying to take his statue down. You now see uh, Hans Christian Haig, who was a colonel in in the Union Army, uh, the, the North, the side that won the side against slavery. Uh, he not only fought and died on the battlefield, but before that, uh, not only spoke out against slavery, literally was part of a militia to go after uh, the people that from the South that would come up and try and catch slaves. Uh, and yet they, they took a statue down, as you said, threw it in the lake, beheaded the statue. This is There is a real difference, I want to make clear, here in Wisconsin across the country, between people who have legitimate concerns about, uh, again, the minority, uh, a small fraction of people in law enforcement who are not living up to the standard protect and serve, we can make reasonable changes out there. Uh, but there, that, that's the people that are the agitators, the, 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 the Marxists, the, the people who are driving what we saw in Madison over the last few days, they don't care about that. They, they don't care about reform. They that's care right. about anarchy. And sadly, I believe many of them are probably paid agitators who are trying to create chaos between now and November to affect political outcomes out there. And we saw it not only here in Wisconsin, but yesterday in the United States Senate, my friend, United States Senator Tim Scott, who's been working on this for years, uh, has finally been able to, to get the platform he needed to put together a very comprehensive package called the Justice Act. Um, and he addressed, even a day after objections from the Senate colleagues on the other side, object, addressed these objectives, and they still refused to vote on it. To me, showing who they really are, they care more about using this as a political weapon and less about actually solving problems here. Madison in particular, although increasingly Green Bay and, and Milwaukee, a uh, reminder is just as Seattle and New York are nationally, if we give total control to liberal, liberal Democrats 
this is the kind of chaos we're going to have in America. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. As we're being joined by former governor of the state of Wisconsin, Scott Walker, here on the John Muir Show, and you bring up the 2020 election. And in a lot of ways, I see similarities between President Trump and yourself in terms of both, again, are, are you know, widely loved but also widely despised, even though both of you have done so much good for this country, you, the state of Wisconsin, during your time as governor, him, his three-plus years as president of the United States. And it seems that just about everything that happens in this country these days, uh, you have folks on the political left trying to somehow twist it into some means of using it against President Trump in his re-election bid. I, I mean, you know, whether it's, uh, again, the, you know, these leftists trying to pin these criminalistic riots that are taking place in various U.S. cities, mostly if not entirely Democrat-run U.S. cities, trying to blame that on President Trump. And, you know, when it came to the China virus pandemic and the response to it, you had these various unconstitutional actions being uh, taken by politicians like our current governor, Tony Evers, and his administration. It goes ruining various states' economies, so naturally the nation's economy is going to take a massive hit and now they're trying to blame all of that on president trump even though again he wasn't the one that issued any of these orders that led to our economy being destroyed i mean at the end of the day you would hope that all of us republican democrat independent doesn't matter would recognize hey we all belong to the same country all of us u.s citizens we are u.s citizens we should be looking out above all for the interests of our shared country, because it affects all of us here, not, you know, thinking anything too far-fetched here. It's pretty simple stuff. But yet at the end of the day, in this country, including what we're seeing from the current administration, Madison, it seems that everything that is being done, it's not being done with the well-being of the United States or the well-being of the state of Wisconsin in mind. It's being done with the thought process of how can we use this to try and ensure Trump doesn't win on November 3rd. That's really sad to see that happening in our country because, uh, I mean, our country could be a hell of a lot better off right now if people wouldn't be putting partisan politics ahead of our nation's well-being. I agree. And one of the the people that ask me all the time what to do, I I said I start with a simple thing, pray. I spend a lot more time on my knees in the morning uh, praying. Uh, I always did before at the beginning and the end of the day, but i got to tell you, the last few months, I've been spending extra time doing that because I, I think, you know, God God is listening to us, and we need to pray for, for wisdom and handling this. And, and one of the frustrations I have, particularly with the national media and increasingly with social media, is that they love to pigeonhole people in, in one, one position or the other. I, I've said early on in the coronavirus that you can have—it's like walking and chewing gum—you can actually be concerned about coronavirus and, and figuring out ways to deal with that rationally and safely, and still at the same time be concerned about the economy and making sure that small businesses aren't devastated and be concerned that governments aren't encroaching on our civil liberties. Uh, Those aren't contradictory viewpoints. You can have all those beliefs at once, and I think most people listening and most people across the state and the country do. In the same way, I say with with what we saw with George Floyd, you can be outraged with what happened there. That's the irony with all these massive protests. I have yet to hear one person, even the guy's wife divorced him. Uh, I mean, there is nobody defending what he did. And there's many of us talking about reasonable and rational ways to reform the system to make sure that the handful, and you're literally talking about handfuls every year 
of individuals in this situation, but that that never happens again. But but also being absolutely, uh, uh, totally 100% against defunding the police and creating chaos on our schools and our college campuses and our communities across the nation, and even more intensely objecting to this outrageous uh, actions, not only in our state's capital, but in our nation's capital and in places across the country. Uh, again, we will not be pigeonholed into believing you can only have one belief or another. We can be for reform. We can be for um, equality for all of our fellow citizens and be outraged uh, with the riots and the vandalism. And I don't call them protesters. If they're tearing down statues, if they're burning up places, if they're hurting, if they're attacking a 60-year-old Wisconsin state senator, those are not protesters. Those are criminals, and that's what they should be called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's definitely a distinction. There, there have been peaceful protests that are trying to honor Floyd's memory and hats off to him. Totally noble cause. Stand right there with him. But then there's also been the violent riots, like what we've seen in Madison just a couple of nights ago, and it cannot be tolerated, and all involved in criminal activity must be punished to the fullest extent of the law. We, well, they we can't the, tolerate the, the, that. The, not only is the mayor uh, falling short on this, the governor, my goodness, I would have had the National Guard out there right away. You yep. cannot give an inch. We saw that in the past. Uh, and, and this is why looking even beyond when this all calms down, again, why I'm so passionate about the Institute for Reforming Government uh, they are, we, we have a void. Will's done an incredibly good job uh, on the judicial branch side of things, pushing lawsuits to, to maintain and protect common sense views here in this state. But we need it on the legislative and the uh, executive branches. It's great to have white papers. It's great to have symposiums. It's great to have discussions. But we need people throughout this budget and legislative session who are going to stand up with bold, big, bold ideas and stand shoulder to shoulder with the legislature to make sure they don't get pushed over uh, by the kind of chaos that we're seeing in Madison right now. Mm-hmm. And it's it sounds like absolutely you're doing some great work uh, over at the Institute for Reforming Government. I, I know you said not only you have that project, you got a lot on your plate right now, but I've got to ask you, and we've only got a, about a minute and a half left here, but a lot of folks are really hoping that at some point you get back into politics, uh, whatever office it might be. What are your thoughts on that right now? Do, do you have any interest in returning to elected office? If so, are there any offices in particular that, that particularly interest you? Uh, what are we looking at? Well, I... I love being governor, and uh, you know uh, I'm 22 years younger than the current president. I'm a quarter century younger than Joe Biden, so I got plenty of time for the next four years. I'm going to be the president at YAF, uh, Young America's Foundation, uh, and I certainly hope that Rebecca Clayfish, who was a spectacular lieutenant governor, a, a national leader when it comes to conservatives, will run for governor in 2022. And if she does, I believe she will win. Uh, but someday, I don't write anything off. Uh, if God's uh, with God's, if I listen to God's will, and there's a calling there for some office in the future, uh, certainly I'll turn to my friends here in Wisconsin. All right, I, I think that's what a lot of folks out there were hoping to hear that uh, there's at least a door that's open to you returning to elected office. Since uh, again, you did so many great things for this state at the last Thank time you. you held elected office. Uh, former governor of the state of Wisconsin, Scott Walker, uh, great having you back on the program. Let's not wait as long to do it again. We'd love to have you back soon, talk about all the stuff you're doing uh, at the Institute for Reforming Government. Uh, thank you so much for your time, as always, and uh, look forward to talking to you again. My pleasure. God be with you. Right, same to you. More of the John Muir Show on the other side of this break. It is 1054. This is the John Muir Show.